If you want to know what it's like to have a fourth, just imagine you're drowning, and then someone hands you a baby. I like you just the way you are. You're braver than you believe, and stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. Parenting is a sacrifice, it's exhausting, it's expensive, at times it feels thankless, but eventually you die. Welcome to the Kid Doc Good Job Being the Mom podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping mothers and fathers through supporting, enabling, and empowering them in their amazing role as parents. Well, let's start today's episode off by talking about the ski shop. So do you remember how we got the ski shop started? I remember some details, so you can fill in where I don't. I think the general idea with the ski shop was to give us kids an opportunity to work, to practice running a business, being responsible, and having some accountability for taking care of other people's things and returning it back to them so they can enjoy the ski slopes. Yeah. Yeah, I've always felt that it was really, really important to have a job. I remember being a kid and being jealous that my dad got to work in a warehouse because his family owned kind of a little trucking business. And so, but I was jealous that he could have a job. I'm not sure why that was something to be jealous about, but um, I just remember thinking that was really cool to have a job and be able to work. And, and even though we didn't really have to work to provide for the family economy, just feel like it's really important to, to learn how to work and have a job and those kinds of things. And you guys are always so busy with, summer things with sports and vacation, those kinds of things that um, we thought it'd be fun to open up a little ski shop to help tune skis. And and if nothing else, at least it would offset the cost of tuning our own skis with local ski shops. So Totally, totally. <laughs> yeah. What do you want parents to do for kids at this age? I think one of the main things is helping them to find their hobbies or talents or interests, find some aptitudes to really help them explore and find things that help them develop identity. And if you can remember, do you remember what your activity journey was and things you did growing up as a kid? Yeah. I remember taking ballet classes after kindergarten. So I would go over to Clyde Adams and take ballet classes. I tried my hand at soccer, which I really enjoyed, but ultimately decided to continue dancing. I tried volleyball for a couple of seasons Mm -hmm. and then reverted back to dancing. And that was something that I ultimately fell in love with when I was about 12 and continued to do that through high school and through college as well. So that was a love of mine pairing with singing. So that performative aspect is actually something I'm missing as a busy law student. So I'm going to take a ballet class next week, which will be a lot of fun. So that was, that was, that was the evolution of my, my hobbies. <laughs> I forgot about volleyball. That's right. You had a volleyball episode too. I had a so, stint. Yes. Yeah. And it was before I grew. So I was a libero. It's not <laughs> <five> <laughs> well, and that's really the main thing. It just having a chance to provide exposure for your kids to different activities and even though we don't do as much with Boy Scouts here locally, I, I like Boy Scouts a lot because it provided a chance for kids to work on merit badges that would be different proficient proficiency things. They try skiing or hiking or rock climbing or something like that. And so I think it's yeah. really important to start giving your kids exposure to different activities 
and so they can figure out what their passions and they may be the same things that you like and i we talked about before a parenting hack is is giving the kids experience with things that you like so that they'll follow in your hobbies but it's they may find other ones that are, that are on their own path as well yeah yeah i think that none of us really took to track which i think you're a little bummed about uh, but we I'm all took so to sad speed. about that so. <laughs> did somebody get my speed what happened so. <laughs> we don't know because no one tried so. <laughs> Well, awesome. With our six to eight year olds, are there struggles with school for kids at this age? So there's a couple that parents bring up a lot. And the first one is a lot about eating at school, because I think there's a, a lot bigger need for kids to eat more often at school. Parents complain about their kids' headaches and stomach aches and and just a lot of things that are, are problems because they don't have access to food. Kids get hangry and they have this great metabolism and they're active and they're growing and they're, they're going all day at school without eating, which isn't helpful. When they're at home with parents, they have chances to eat often throughout the day, but um, they don't at school. And so, but I thought about, I wondered if you remembered just for yourself, how much opportunity you had to eat and drink it when you were in elementary school. Yeah. The fact that my memory came came up with nothing means that I don't <laughs> think that I have many opportunities outside of lunch. I don't even remember getting a snack at recess. It was always just going outside and then running back in after running around and getting a drink of water at the drinking fountain and then coming right back at the class. Right. Yeah. And so, and that's the thing is I think we really need to work to improve kids' blood sugar. I'm sure a lot of kids are a little bit lethargic and just kind of, you know, coasting and really making it through from 1030 or so. If you figure that they have breakfast and then nothing until lunch, and that can be four to five hours. And so it's really important for them to not go that far between eating. So they can eat every two to three hours, never longer than three hours. And I call that the hobbit eating plan where they have first and second breakfast, first and second lunch and first and second dinner. So so as a, as a as a parent, how would you envision if you could create a model day for eating for kids? Yeah, so going off of your recommendation, I think a typical day may include eating at 7 a.m. and then again at 10 a.m., 1 p.m., 3 p.m., 6 p.m., then a snack right before bed. And the meals would always include whole foods and protein at these times to create a more balanced nutrition. Yeah. System. I think sometimes when kids do get presented something at school, it's, it's like goldfish or something that's really empty. And I kind of equate those kind of things to being like, just like pine needles that burn really fast. And yeah, you've got your goldfish with you now. So this is Hunter's stash of goldfish. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, but they're just, they're really quick. You know, they are like pine needles that burn through really fast versus something that has more substance with a, a lower glycemic index where things like granola bars and cheese sticks actually give you energy for a little bit longer. And, and I think a couple of the challenges that I, I have to help with are, I'll, I'll tell parents, if you need a note for school, I'm happy to write a note if there's any pushback because of the culture at the school. And the other element of that is, is saying there's kind of a natural transition time with every teacher schedule. And we don't want to disrupt the, the school day, but it, instead of having them take snacks before recess, when they want to go out and play, we talked about FOMO before, and, and they won't eat when the option is to go play. So I think the better time is when they come back in from recess 
or if there are some other natural transitions in a teacher's schedule going to the library or something like that. And so, um, yeah, those are the best times. So do you remember ever having any friends or in junior high or high school that had problems like passed out or, you know, were dizzy often at school or so? Not a ton. I think that I personally am more susceptible to not having good hydration and getting headaches. And so I think that I was aware of that for myself, but I think it's particularly difficult for young kids because they're not as in tune with the needs of their body. So having a more structured routine, I think is helpful to avoid any complications. Yeah. Well, yeah, I and I have lots of patients that would pass out at school. And, and really, it's because of their busyness where the kids have dinner, and then they scramble in the morning and don't have any breakfast. And then there's nothing available until lunchtime. And that's way too long in between. And so and you, you made a comment about hydration. So that's the other important part is keeping hydration adequate. So how much water do you now try to drink every day? <laughs> well, Embarrassingly, I have my big Stanley cup. So I probably drink yes. two Stanley cups a day, which I think equates to about a gallon. I probably don't get quite that much, but yeah. I shoot for keeping that full because I get headaches easily and <laughs> also am susceptible to hanger. So it's all yeah. it's all the precautionary. <laughs> it, it, it never goes away. And so <laughs> But you mentioned coming in and getting a quick drink at the drinking fountain, but like in most schools, they have little drinking fountain monitors where they say one, two, enough for you, next kid. And so they just get a tiny pittance of the water that they need for the day. So so keeping that blood volume up will help prevent dizziness. And so a, a good goal is about one cup every two hours for elementary kids as people get older, junior high, high school, then getting one cup, eight ounces about every hour is a good goal. And the problem, like a lot of things, is, you know, people were about having to go to the bathroom a lot, and so they don't drink a lot, and so it's understandable. And so, but, um, but yeah, that's that's kind of a thing. So, um, how about sleep? How much sleep should these kids be having at this age? So the sleep goal ranges from ten to twelve hours per night, ideally. Yeah, and I, and I try and have people commit to that for about one to two weeks. Try to get enough sleep enough hydration and enough food and and see if any of the common reasons for headaches and stomach aches will, will go away. Yeah. It's amazing what a little food, water and sleep can do for your general demeanor. Well, like a lot of things we, we try to, you know, we try to fix problems, but we don't just cover the basics for sure. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Let's start talking a bit about academic performance. Do we start to see problems yeah, I think this is the first time where parents start to see a, a child not doing as well in school. They start, they start to struggle. Um, as they have parent-teacher conferences, there'll be discussions about focus and impulse control and hyperactivity. And, and so we'll see kids that start to have problems with their self-esteem. And the parents will see that, the teachers will see that, and start having those conversations about somebody who's this smart kid that just really seems to not like school and struggle with it. So it's it's a good time to get that feedback from those parent-teacher conferences. And I'll talk to people about using some counseling methods and homework trackers where they can have homework go into a backpack. The parents help bring that homework tracker out. They work on homework together and then put it in the backpack and teachers will pull that homework tracker back out at school and then grade the homework and those kind of things. 
but then they start saying, Hey, we're trying that, but I think my, my kid's still struggling with focus and everything. And, and, and they dropped that term about ADHD. And so. Yeah. Are there concerns about starting medication for ADHD at this age? Yeah. And we'll do, I know we keep promising future episodes, but we'll, we'll do a future episode solely about ADHD and anxiety and depression. But ADHD is interesting because it's one where if you have the right diagnosis, medication is the one thing that works really well. And I'm not someone that really wants to get somebody on a long-term medication and things like depression and anxiety counseling was the mainstay. But when it comes to, to truly having ADHD and a brain that just doesn't want to focus on things that are basically boring, then the medication is the, is the, the pathway to doing that. And so, um, and I think that, that I remember having a, a parent who was an attorney and was concerned that a lot of his clients were people that had been on ADHD medications as kids and viewing them as gateway drugs. And so I, I bring up these things and have total transparency about medications and everything, but recognizing that, that these aren't gateway drugs, but people that commit crimes have problems with impulse control. And so when they don't take care of their impulse control. They steal things and do stuff like that. And so, and so it's not that the ADHD medications are gateway drugs. It's just, they weren't taking care of their problem. And so they maybe found something else to help out. And what they really needed was to care for their problems. Right. Awesome. So we can move into general recommendations for six-year-olds. The ones I have here are they're able to take a shower, to dust, load the dishwasher, empty the dishwasher, clean sinks, run the microwave, water plants, and make and answer phone calls. And then for seven-year-olds, we talk about washing dishes, flossing teeth, cleaning toilets, pulling weeds, having a little savings account, maybe even just some little food jars reading the comprehension, and then memorizing your phone and address. Great. And then eight-year-olds can begin grooming their nails and hair. They can get up by themselves. I do want to kind of talk, kind of talk about that one for a minute because I think that's a, a super critical one. Um, you know, we we still kind of have some struggles with that. And I'll, I'll see Amy working really hard to try and get one of the, the kids up, you know, even – who are old enough to be independent with this, but just, I think it's super important to be able to help kids at this age learn to set an alarm, get up and, and get going. Because I think I, I see moms just struggling so hard with having to keep pushing and pushing and pushing to get kids to get up and get moving and go to school, go to whatever. And so, but if we can work on this early and get them independent, this is a wonderful element. So yeah, I think this harkens back to the recommendation for how much sleep kids should be getting too, because if they're getting adequate sleep, then when that alarm goes off, or maybe they just pop up by themselves because they're getting great sleep. So it's awesome. Yeah. But you've seen that your 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 brothers can sleep till noon if they get left alone. Oh yeah. Even if they have enough sleep. So so in yeah. some ways it's not so much even just just like, well, they'd rather just be in bed. And so and, and, <laughs> maybe and not, I think that probably a teenage thing more than an eight-year-old thing but sure sure <laughs> and i think you're right it does go back to getting enough sleep but even with enough sleep there's still just like hey being in bed is great no no responsibility so sure. it is a lot about helping them just be responsible so. totally yeah 
we mentioned these earlier, but team sports or joining clubs are great. Personal talent development is important at this age. They can help clean mirrors. They can read scriptures or books daily, um, care for pets, do their hair, and begin piano lessons. Cool. Let's go through anticipatory guidance. So first up is health. So we want to limit screen time. Do you remember what this screen time rules were at our house, more or less? Yeah, it was one hour a day was the general rule. And on Sundays, we were to do some things before we could do any screen time on yeah. Sundays, like read our scriptures or write to the missionaries or something like that. So, <laughs> and, and, and for a period of time when especially the brothers struggled with video games, stuff like that, we had to say no screen time during the week because if mom and I were gone and came back, then people wouldn't have done anything because they were playing you know, and on the screens. And so it became really important to say, okay, there's no screen time, you know, from really from Monday until Friday, mm -hmm. because people needed to get their work done and then they could get kind of bank their screen time for the weekend. But so for a season, we had to do that because we struggled with, you know, kids abusing the screen time. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. We also had discussions about drugs, alcohol, tobacco, internet safety was a big one, especially because Oftentimes there's, this is the first exposure to pornography um, for kids at this age. And that's becoming more and more prevalent as technology is more and more available to us. Yeah. And so why do you think it's important that they hear correct information from parents? I mean, from a, especially from a kid perspective. Yeah. I actually have been thinking about this a lot because you're going to hear information of all, all varieties from all different people, all different sources. So it's important to know that Parents are a good source of information, that parents are trustworthy, that they can ask any question, and that um, those conversations can be had openly and often um, as kids need, because they're going to be interacting with so many different ideas and, um, I guess, just conversations that they have will be confusing. So I just think it's it's great to kind of be the first one in on these, these hard issues, so then kids feel super comfortable coming to their parents and talking about all of the concerns that they may be hearing on the, the playground and things. So that sounds great. Um, yeah. Also like dental emergency care plans. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about that? Oh, just, you know, we get a lot more teeth getting knocked out on jungle gyms <laughs> and, and monkey bars. And so just have a plan for what happens when the kid knocks their tooth out. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, caught on like, basketball hoops that's what hoops. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah so i think the general recommendation here is to keep up with yearly dental care um brushing and flossing daily and having that be a part of bedtime rituals you know just keeping up those, those healthy routines so next is diet and exercise so the recommendation is 60 minutes of exercise per day and to eat meals as a family now, one comment about family meals that's interesting is that when when you hold family meals several times a week, it's shown to be an effective deterrent to to kid drug use, teen pregnancy. Just some interesting things that um, having that time together, and it doesn't have to be every night to be perfect, but just you know often, just it provides an opportunity to to be a prevention for some problems that are nice to avoid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it gives this great environment of 
love and acceptance. So I think that that it's a place where your kids want to be and that just engenders that. It's great. Um, we also encourage opportunities for physical activity. And going back to that little discussion we had about trying different activities, I actually had two young men today who talked about wanting to try boxing. So I'm like, yeah, sounds great. Great exercise, whatever. And so they do it safely, but you know, it just is not one of my usuals, but it's something that it's nice to have them try different things. And if they're excited about it, where they mostly like video games, it's like, great. Boxing's awesome. So it's yeah, awesome. I guess that's a nice segue from boxing into safety is next. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about water safety. Yeah. Just, you know, swim lessons, good time to start this if you haven't yet. Cool. And then bike helmet use. And really helmet use with any activities with wheels. I mean, anytime you're going faster than you can with walking or running, you want to make sure you keep your head safe. Yeah. Um, neighborhood safety, sports, um, the car booster seat use. And I get a lot of people that are trying to figure out what should they be in as these kids get older. So about the movement between different types of booster setups. So for sure, booster at four years and 40 pounds um, is the right right setup. And that's kind of 40 to 80 pounds up to 57 inches. So that's pretty tall. And then you can switch to a backless booster when in your car, the seatbelt contacts them as an adult when you take the back off. And then you go to an adult seatbelt use when you're over 80 pounds and 58 inches. Cool. Reviewing the fire escape plan is recommended, making sure that guns are unloaded and locked up, and then general pedestrian, playground, neighborhood safety, and stranger danger, as we mentioned a bit above. Yeah. And then last segment is social. Yeah. So with speech and language development, this is where reading daily is super helpful, having positive interactions with adults. Even just having the kids order their own food with the waiter is kind of a, a fun way to help them practice talking to adults. Yeah, I really did not like that as a kid, but I'm really happy that it was encouraged. <laughs> now it's I been, can do it. <laughs> it's been fun to watch your kids struggle and you say, okay, order your food. So Look them in the eye. Look them in the eye and order the food. And that's been <laughs> a great thing. And watching you guys even just have that confidence over the years is really fun to watch. For sure. Um, knowing the, ch- the child's friends and family members is great. Um, playing board games together, having consistent limit settings and discipline. And maybe one one comment, we, we kind of segue from timeouts over to more logical consequences. And one of my favorite discipline techniques is to have a situation where if somebody somebody does something unkind to another child, is, you know, whether they do something mean, is to make the, the offender clean the like clean the other kid's room or make their bed. So you have to return this this act of kindness for this act of being mean to them. And I mean, all of us hate cleaning our own rooms and making our own beds, much less having to do something for somebody else because we were mean to them. So yeah. I think it really helps to reinforce the memory of, of, of not doing unkind things because you don't want to have to do something to, to show charity um, as, a, as a punishment. <laughs> so it's... Uh, um, and then keep up just kind of praising desired behavior, being really positive, and then and showing lots of affection so that kids feel like they get attention when they're being good versus they get more attention when they're being bad. Yeah. Being aware of impulsiveness and anger management, something to look out for, um, encouraging self-comforting behavior and interacting with other children, helping with school preparation, communicating with teachers, um, being aware of friends, 
of potential bullying and taking exploratory walks and trips with your family. That's a pretty good summary for that age, Em. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, well, and we kind of recommend following up every one to two years just kind of for normal growth and development. It's kind of a time when a lot of people, people go for a while between visits. And so we'll uh, come back and visit at the nine to 10 year old age group. Awesome. Thanks, Dad. You're welcome, Em. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to getting together again next time. Kid Doc is available wherever you find your other favorite podcast. If you enjoyed what we shared with you today, be sure to like us and subscribe to help other listeners like you find us. On our website, we will add supporting materials and other helpful items from this and other podcasts. The opinions expressed in this podcast, while carefully considered, are ultimately the opinions of the presenters and not necessarily of our employers or of any other organizations with which we are affiliated. And remember, the content of this podcast shouldn't be seen as a substitute for seeking actual personal medical care. If this is an emergency, hang up and dial 911. Otherwise, schedule a visit with a caring doctor to help with your concerns.